start how I want. Hello everyone, welcome to a, uh, another bonus episode of Haunted Picture Palace. Th for this one we are talking about films where you wish the baddie had won, or, basically. This is inspired by something that we were talking about last week when we were doing Rebecca, and the fact that the Hays Code wouldn't allow Maxim de Winter to be a murderer uh, and go unpunished. Yes. And how it, I find there's something slightly unsatisfying about that. Which is not a problem that happens in the book. Because right. there are, there's no such censorship, if you'd like, of mm -hmm. the printed word. So they had to fudge it where he doesn't quite remember what happened and then she was dead. Rather than <laughs> where in the book, spoilers for Rebecca, <laughs> whoops. Yep. Um, where in the book he shoots her dead on purpose. Right. And so I was thinking about films where you wish the villain had won, or you wish that it could have been different. Yeah. Yeah. What have you got first? Double Indemnity. The Billy, nice. uh, the Billy Wilder film mm. from 1944, 1945, I think. Based on the James N. Came... That's not true, I'll fix that. <laughs> based, based on what? Based on the James N. Came book yep. of the same name. Script by Raymond Chandler. Uh, so oh, yeah. directed by uh, Billy Wilder, the great Billy Wilder, and starring Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. And it is about a an insurance fraud. Double indemnity is yes. the is the clause in the insurance that if you die in a accident in a particular way, you get twice as much money. Mm. And it's a wonderful, wonderful noir wonderful film yeah i really but enjoyed it, it but it opens with the protagonist uh, walter neff has played by fred mcmurray in his boss's office dictating his confession mm -hmm. into the dictaphone machine uh, that he's got there which you know opens the film and then we close on that, that there because it basically has to die mm. because he's he's committed murder Mr. Dietrichson, his victim, is not a particularly sympathetic man. It's a very, it's an extremely good film. So there's no spoilers in that because this is the opening scene of the movie. No, it's very good. Um, and and it is well done that the characters on the side of the law, if you'd like, are very well drawn, and you do so. You do end up caring about uh, his boss, uh, Barton Keys, his boss's That's character. It, yeah. name. It's played by Edward G. Robinson, the great gangster actor of the '30s, hmm. and is given enough to do that you you know that it does feel like a reasonable battle of wills mm. but still every time i see it and i have seen it multiple times now i always find myself rooting for them rooting for the pair of them mm. um and then you know in the, the nature of cinema and the nature of film is that they never get away with it never no. works for them but you know each time you sort of hope it might be different <laughs> yeah totally yeah um i'll stick with roughly your time area because i have my list has skewed predictably 90s and uh, noughties mm -hmm. mainly because I was alive for them when they came <laughs> out fair enough well the reason I've gone back a little bit more is because so these days there are no prohibitions against murderers going totally scot-free so villains can um, succeed whereas yeah back in the day it was literally not an option no that's true I I you know, I think we've spoken a little bit on the main pod about um, the idea of the baddie 
and rooting for the baddie as I always have. So this list sure. is super skewed because it's all my childhood things mm-hmm. and it's all this. But I've always I've always gone uh, for the baddie and it's uh, the it's identifying with being other or feeling other. The fact that they're consistently queer coded. Yeah. The fact that there are inherent flaws in human beings that they just car- caricature or display that we we know are wrong, but because we identify with them in our own character, there's more of an affinity with the bad. Sure. You know, the goody can be too pure, too good, too this, that and the other. Yeah. And therefore, you're just mad about the, the bad one. So sticking roughly with your timeline, I went for Strangers on a Train in 1951 Uh. because I love Bruno Anstey's character. (laughs) Massively, manically queer-coded and that thing with Alfred Hitchcock being obsessed with the idea of homosexual men being in love with their mother and hating their father is so fascinating. It comes up again and again as a theme. Bruno spends most of his time, uh, it's played by Robert Walker, spends most of his time in a... Um, what looks like his father's smoking jacket, which is so amazing, or like a horrible little house robe, um, desperately trying to get something to work, but doing it all with this, you know, murder-wise, but get, yeah. doing it all with this in, intense and aggressive artistic charm. Like, he's he's a really amazing baddie, and I wish he'd won because the wife is so dull. <laughs> just saying. Um, not her fault. She's just written by... Dozens of men that have dull wives. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. In their minds, you know, they have dull women in their lives that don't do anything because they make it that way. Anyway, yeah. um, shortly after that, I went to Guys and Dolls in oh. 1955. What? Um, is it Marlon Brando? Yeah. Guys and Dolls? Yeah. yeah. Who... Who do you wish... Everyone's the baddie was, except yeah. the woman. And that's why I picked it. Okay. Because, good. of course, you want the baddies to win. And it's kind of baddies versus baddies. It's actually a... Fun, yeah. It's a bloody great... F- bloody? I mean, you can it's say bloody. It's a bloody great film. You, I mean, I, yeah. I uh, think. Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando give, giving incredible performances despite Marlon Brando's singing and Frank Sinatra's acting. Uh, oh, I think that's not fair. Well, well I mean, you said they're incredible performances. They so, are. So, yes. They so, are, yeah. truly. They're incredible performances, but they they shouldn't be. Fair enough. And, you know, they're playing Nathan Detroit and Sky Masterson's. And Sky Masterson's an incredible cat name, by the way. We should yeah. Put it, a I mean, it's that. a Damon Runyon adaptation, and his books are full of incredible names. Right. Like, wonderful, wonderful names. I say they're. they're you can see them here, yeah, right? Yeah, Jimmy the Squeeze, that yeah, kind of stuff. That's exactly. all him, isn't it? Yes. The um, what I like about that specifically, and the reason I put it on the list, yes, because it's all baddies all the time, but because they still have a code within baddom. Sure. And I think that's important, and I always have enjoyed that within a film because, again, that's the idea of you are other, but you are also other under the bracket of the bad person code, the other code. Honor amongst thieves. Yes, exactly. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, go on. Lovely. Um, well, I I don't have as many films to talk about as you, <laughs> it seems. But uh, so my next, the next thing I thought of is from the early eighties. I don't know whether that is a good time to bring this up now. Or... Yeah, you can do. My next one was sixty four, so we're not far out. Oh well, um, I was going to talk about uh, Blade Runner. Interesting. Yes, that's very deliberate. That one. It's yeah. Uh, Roy Betty, right? Yeah. Um, Rutger Hauer, mm-hmm. who the, the the philosophical android, yes, who just wants to live, yes, 
And, you know, he's not... He's not the baddie of the film. No. Except, that, of course, he is, because Deckard is clearly the hero, and his job is to hunt down and kill these rogue yeah. replicants. So that make you know, in, in the sort of gunslinger, almost mm. Western tradition, uh, Batty is the outlaw. Yes. You know, and, uh, and you know, spoilers, he dies at the end, right? But he <laughs> is, t- to me, he's the, by far the most interesting thing about that film. His character is the most interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. And I like the woman. <laughs> Which woman? I like the woman. The the woman where you're not sure if she is or she isn't through the whole film. Ah, That's yes. incredible casting. She really does have an expressionless face, but it works. Sean, Sean Young. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, but I, I, I see from name. a character development perspective that actually, yeah, um, Batty is more interesting. But also because Batty is has developed, gets to develop. Yeah, and I feel like she doesn't get to develop. No, as that's much. true. Yeah, yeah. And so, and because it's built into the film that you want him to succeed, right? And so that his yeah. speech, the very famous speech, you know, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Yeah. Right? you know that. For that to have the meaning and pathos that it does is because you care about him and because you sympathise and empathise with his his goals, even though he's, yeah, quote-unquote, the baddie. I also madly fancy his love interest. Priz. Mm. (laughs) She's a a pleasure model, isn't she? She is. Yeah. (laughs) She is. I'm going to skip the 64 one because it's just more... um, it's just Marnie. It's just more Ah, Hitchcock. more Hitchcock. Right. Yeah. Um, but where were you? You were 80 where? 82 uh, Blade Runner. It's extra... Uh, incredibly. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem doesn't it, seem credible, does it? It seems but, yeah. bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. It's so beautifully done. Actually, that's interesting. But I'll come back to that because I have a vague connection. Mm. Uh, I was going to say Angelica Houston in The Witches of 1990. Oh. Uh, I would have loved it if she'd made all the children. I mean, I hate mice. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I still feel like mice that used to be human mm-hmm. are a better sort of... I could tolerate them more than mice that are just mice that we when they run. Um, but the children in The Witches are inherently uh, disappointing. I was a massive fan of the book when I was a small child, um, despite it telling me that witches were bad and me being brought up thinking witches were good um i just i love the books i was a big Roald Dahl fan so when a company took it over and they had all american this kind of blue-eyed creature uh with a sort of semi-european sounding grandmother and then (laughs) obviously angelica houston stealing the show she was the only good thing about it. Right. She was the reason I watched it. Yeah. It's so such a weirdly magnetic performance considering how hammy it is and how prosthetic it has to be. She really goes yeah. for it, but she's the only one going for it in the film. <laughs> Makes me so sad. Apart from maybe, is it Jane Horrocks is her assistant? I, I've not seen it. Whoa, really? Yeah, really. Oh, I really hurt it. Oh, yeah, um, that was, that was the shock, shock value. Yeah. Wow, okay. Well, never mind. Never mind. Well, perhaps... You know, have you read it? I've read it. Okay, I think so. Yeah. Does it? Spoilers for the witches, everyone. But does it end with the boy still as a mouse? Yes. I have a I have a weird memory of 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 the ending, being that he goes back to live with his grandmother. Yes, he and, does in a and, cage. And they sort of have this conversation in some way. I don't know. Maybe you can talk. I can't remember. But but the upshot of it is that he says, "Well, how long do mice live?" And he's like, "Well, 
five or six years and grandmother says well I've, I'm a very old woman so I've only got five or six years myself so then so they're both like well that's okay yeah. everyone's happy with that which struck child me yes. reading it as as an extraordinary good ending isn't it interesting that that's the closest a book came to for ages to a baddie winning The baddie wanted everybody turned into mice and to get just a couple of things turned into mice. It's a bit she wins. chalks up as a win. Yeah. 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 But really, uh, in the film, obviously, because America got hold of it, it's much more like, there's a moral here and you right. should know it. <laughs> um, good things happen to good people and bad people should burn in hell. Well, that's the, the misprism definition of fiction right. from the importance of being earnest. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the good end happily and the bad unhappily. That is what fiction means. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it's nothing like life, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I I stayed in the child theme <laughs> for some time here. Mm-hmm. I've gone Captain Hook. Oh, right. Dustin Hoffman's Captain yep. Hook, which is another incredible... It. I have to double take every time. I'm aware... Is it Dan, not Danny DeVito? Uh, Bob Hoskins is oh, yes. a brilliant character in that. Yeah, no, he's, he's one of those actors who was consistently great in lots and lots of things. Yes, but and un- ageless, actually, weirdly. Yeah. He never seemed to age or be younger. Yeah, he, he was, was always that always sort of there. middle-aged. Yeah. Always middle-aged, and it's weird seeing him in some things where he's a little bit younger, but he's still not, <laughs> yeah. he just still doesn't look young. No, no, poor soul. But uh, Dustin Hoffman, yes, 1991 Captain Hook, because <sighs> I, could, I despise Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's a, there has yet, there is one vaguely cute depiction of Peter Pan where he's kind of he's played by a, a pretty Aquarius creature um, I think did Freddie Highmore play him in when I when, when we I were was young. a teenager yes and because the only thing I remember about that film is that Richard Briers was in it as Smee um, Captain really Hook's, um, second in <gasps> command and uh, what was the name you said oh Freddie Highmore I think you're right it might not have been him. He was in a few things at the same time, and he was in that, and he was in something with Kate Winslet where she got consumption. Was oh, that, that? that one? Was no, that? that's not the Peter Pan I'm thinking of, although he is a Aquarius, so maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> well done. Maybe it's the same Pan. film. Maybe it is. <laughs> oh, no, that's you're thinking of Finding Neverlander, ah. which is, uh, what's his name, Johnny Depp and Kate Winslet, maybe? Yes, um, right. it was awful. It wasn't that one. Wasn't that one? Did, no. did Freddie Highmore play Peter Pan as well, or am I going mad? <laughs> Let's pause it. No, it was. Okay, so back from a little break to fact check because <laughs> we can, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit less careful on the edit on these. Yes. So, Freddie Highmore played a boy who inspired the story of Peter Pan where his mum is Kate Winslet and gets consumption in a film called Finding Neverland. Which is awful, don't waste your time. But, <laughs> Jeremy, this is not much better. But Three out of ten would not recommend. No, exactly. This one, this one's not much better. This is Peter Pan from 2003. But, Jeremy Sumter is Pan. The true shining light in this is Jason Isaacs, who I believe is Malfoy? Yes. Uh, yes, in Harry Potter. You get to see Jason Isaacs as Hook, and frankly, you're honoured. Like, <laughs> you do not deserve this. No, you do not. But both Hooks are wonderful. It's an incredible character. I have always felt sorry for him when, 
he shows how frightened he is of the ticking of the crocodile. Uh, I don't even when I had humanizing the, the villain. Yeah. I had the kids book, and I used to, used to be like so. I just used to be like, why are they laughing? Like I couldn't understand it. I hated Wendy. I hated Peter Pan. <laughs> the Lost Boys weren't really that lost. They were fine with each other. But Hook was like the loneliest character of all. And the most charismatic. By and a, a the most charming. Mile. And again, the gayest. <laughs> and everyone was horrible. So yes, he deserves a lot more love, uh, does Captain Hook, in all forms. Thank you, J.M. Barry. <laughs> then I went for... My next one's 92. Oh, yes. Then I went for a little skip up down the Gary Oldman lane because it turns right. out if Gary Oldman plays a baddie, yeah, I want him to win. The Gary Oldman lane. Yes, Gary Oldman lane. So what did you have in, in mind for that? I have Dracula, Bram want, Stoker. Oh, you want Dracula to win? Yeah. He's way more interesting than bloody Mina, isn't he? And John. And a little bit more interesting than Van Helsing, who I think is actually a pervert in the Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> you know, the Coppola one. It's a very, yeah, it's a very sensual film, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And I feel like Anthony Hopkins was like, do you know, I'm going to make this man a gremlin. <laughs> Which is great, and it really works, but I still feel like the real victim here is Drac. Who's just living his best life. Living his best He's life, seen the reincarnation of his long-lost love, who he absolutely was, like, mental for. Mm-hmm. There was a tragedy that made him cray-cray. He had the hit on the head, which would make him a bit loopy. Yeah. And then, uh, here he is, dead. Yeah, I mean, like, he was probably, like, an existential threat. This is the pro. There's one of mine coming up as well, where it's like... Anyway, yeah, the, uh, because, like... <laughs> You know, he was, he's not a good guy, Dracula. You know? He's, I um... mean, say what you like. He treated her beautifully. <laughs> he did. He did. Oh, well. I, s- I take your point. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> yes. But Gary Oldman in that. Gary Oldman in Fifth Element. Yeah. He had a boss in that, and again, it's 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 him feeling the pressure, you know, feeling the pressure from the boss above him that I don't think we ever meet. Uh, I can't find his character's name anywhere, sadly, um, written out in full. Let me have another go. But um, it's Jean Baptiste. Jean B- Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, obviously. Of course, yes. Duh. Of the Lincolnshire Zorgs, they're a very good family. <laughs> There's that, but then I took a kind of curveball because I was like, "Who? What else was he in the? He the baddie in?" It's like Leon, right? But actually, Leon's the baddie that we root for. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. Yeah, it's a little bit too long, but it's a beautiful. It's film. a beautiful film, and yes, you're right. That's another one where you want him to. I I desperately want him to survive. Leon, yeah, yeah, and because Gary Oldman is such a convincing and horrible baddie. Yeah. And frightening. I find it very frightening that he's so out of his mind on drugs all the time. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. much more so much less predictable. But yeah, there's a real menace to him, isn't there? That like And he's kind of a tiny baby then. When is that? That's uh, nineteen ninety four. Uh, like yeah. he's he's that's a tough paper round. <laughs> but he's um Yeah, he's out for blood. It's uh, is it Jean Jean Reno? Jean Reno. Jean yeah. Reno. Jean Reno, he's French. Isn't it? Yes. Uh, beautifully <laughs> looking after his pot plant and an incredibly sexual um, and incredibly young Natalie Portman. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's great, Leon. It is. If you have, yeah, if if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, what are you doing? To be honest, I don't think I have recommended a dud until I get a little bit later. So fair enough. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I want to bring one in Please. here because when you were talking about Dracula and Gary Oldman in the same way, like I. I absolutely get it, yeah. even though, like, yeah, he's not a good guy. Because the other one I was going to talk about is Die Hard. I right? knew you were going to say this, Gru- Gruber. Hans Gruber, right? Mm. And and it's and it's not because like I have sympathy for like these terrorists. No, no. It's because Alan Rickman is sells a, it. Is, is just incredibly good, and also like his plan is very good and it's really well organized, yes. and there's ways in which it deserves to succeed. Like it That's doesn't true. go wrong because of hubris from no. his part, really. Or you know, you could like John McClane is the element that you couldn't prepare for. Yes. Until Bruce Willis turns up, sticking his nose in, everything's going like <laughs> clockwork. It's extremely well organized, yeah. and and so, but it but it's mainly. Alan Rickman that makes you want him to yes. succeed because he's so very good. And I mean, it you know it launched his in, his career internationally, right? Yeah. He, this was when he became like a mega star. I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I had to take a lot of things off my list to that were just because the acting was great and I enjoyed the baddie. It's yeah. not the same as wanting them to win. I didn't necessarily care about the people that he trapped because we weren't given any development of them. Uh, no, but, no. That's know. the thing, I mean, and again, I'm not knocking... Like, Bruce Willis is great in Die Hard. I'm not having anything against him. Yeah. Like, he's great at what no, he's... he's brilliant. Yeah, it's a great film. And, and yeah, there's probably a few more. Have you got, have you got them written down? Any of the other ones you could mention where you... Oh. It's not so much that you want the baddie to win, it's just that they, they accidentally cast the best actor. Um, as, <laughs> misery. Right. Uh, Kathy Bates in Misery. Yeah, she's great. Um, the guy from... You know, Freddy Krueger. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Robert England. Yes, Robert England. Brilliant, brilliant baddies. Um, the Thing. Wouldn't have minded <laughs> if The Thing won. Because it's, you know, the, well, the it, effects it were brilliant. Well, it does. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, uh, what else was I thinking of? Death becomes her. Everybody right. in it's bad and they all they all lose <laughs> in the end, really. You know, spoilers. Uh, I did go for, briefly, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Right. <laughs> I felt like that was important to mention, 1993. Um, and I missed Carrie from uh, of Carrie. Oh, right. Sissy Spacek, oh, 1976. It's an interesting... Yeah, because he, everybody's terrible to her and they make her into the baddie. It's why I've put her and Maleficent together. Right. So Maleficent, by, played by Angelina Jolie in 2014 was the first of these ridiculous, like, because everything is a franchise now, so it's the first of the, let's do a story about the baddie. And no, I'm not yep. forgetting about Wicked. That's just not done by Disney. Before anyone comes for me, <laughs> don't do it. But Maleficent was this, uh, she's the witch from Sleeping Beauty. Yep. And Angelina Jolie, absolutely made up to the eyeballs looking wonderful it was a really good idea it's a good bit of casting and the story essentially is she was queen of the fairy realm and well cute and that and then a boy came lied to her lied to her and put her in danger and stole her wings and it made her a bitter and twisted jaded old cow bag now one relatable content (laughs) but two it's a really similar thing to and again they're both very powerful people it's a really similar thing with that corruption of what should have been a pure and amazing power by all the badness around the main character, you know? Yeah. Fair enough, they allow 
Maleficent to have a redemption arc that I deeply resent. But Carrie never gets redeemed. No. Not really. You're no. supposed to feel sorry for her. Yeah. But then she's like, oh, no, wait, I'm actually evil. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know it. whether. I mean, I'm sure we'll cover Carrie in a future one, so I don't want to talk too no, much. No, that's why about I just mentioned it briefly. But, yeah, I, I, I would. All I would say is that I would query. I would question the use of the word evil there. That's true. It was a bit haphazard. I meant with the ending. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. But, yes, we'll talk about that. Exactly, know, yeah, yeah. Forthcoming attraction. Yes. Any more? No, well, there's, I've got one more to mention, but it's kind of the exception that proves the rule a little bit. Because I was thinking, again, about um, the Hayes Code and yes. not allowing the villains to to w- win, mm-hmm. and whether this was... And how how many times this has been slightly frustrating? Mm. I know it's I know it was frustrating for filmmakers as well, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, and then I was thinking, story. is there a is there a one where the villains have won? Oh yeah. And it was and that was a, a terrible mistake. Yes. Did you find one? Um, Swordfish. You remember Swordfish, Hugh Jackman, yes. and um, Halle ja- Berry. Hugh Halle Berry, Hugh Jackman, and John Travolta. <laughs> I mean that is a mistake in itself. Don, Don so. Cheadle. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's n- not a good film. No. But like, spoilers for Swordfish. If I don't know you, you lived for whatever under a reason. Rock, or but also, un- like born in nineteen ninety nine, you wouldn't have seen it. Well, no, and but I mean, also, like, spoil a spoiler would imply that like it mattered in any way. <laughs> <laughs> but if you care about, you know, like they say with the sports, it's like if you're, you know, if you're saving it to watch later, look away now. Yes. But at the end of Swordfish, it's revealed that like our baddie. Uh, John Travolta, yeah. like, um, is actually some kind of like maybe a Mossad agent or something, mm. and has like faked his own death. And Halle Berry's not really a, a government agent, and they faked the death, and then and they run around in the end. And it's I think they blow up terrorists, um, they blow up the yachts of terrorists <sighs> for the government while being officially dead. And it's like oh the the baddies got away with it. Oh, it's like oh that's that's rubbish. Bums. You did remind me of Ocean's Eleven, though. I feel like that's one yeah. way you want the baddies to win because they're technically baddies. Yeah, but they're also the heroes of the of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Bad guys and dolls, I suppose. Yeah. 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 The. I went for Hades in Hercules. Right. <laughs> Voiced by James Woods, very over the top, very yeah. uh, again extreme queer coding, uh, mainly because I think he would have done a good job. I do. I think you would have done a good job. We have, I think that might be all of my 90s ones. And then the last two, controversial. Oh. The Babadook. Wouldn't have minded if he'd won. Don't know what it would have looked like if he'd won. Did he actually win? I think he won. I mean, yeah, maybe. He gets it's worms. A, he gets bucket of worms. Yeah, he gets, but yeah, he, he has, he gets, like house room. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, Babadook is a is such an interesting bit of 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 work, bit of film work. Yes. And I think we should talk about it. Uh, okay. At, at length. Sure. In an episode. In, in an episode, and I realise that we're going to have to be doing this for twenty years to get all the films in, but. Well, we know. might change media halfway yeah, through. Exactly. And. Oh yes, uh, and but, I that went... is, but sorry, I didn't mean to. I wasn't closing that down. That's a very interesting thought, and yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I wanted to briefly do an honourable mention for Sarah Michelle Gellar in *Cruel Intentions* 1999. Right. Oh yeah, I know I said I'd left it alone, but actually, um, I hated everybody good in that film. 
and she was the only one that looked good in the uniform. But Miranda Priestley, Devil Wears Prada. Oh yeah. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Two thousand and six. Stop me if you've heard this one, but the true villain of that film is uh, the boyfriend. It's um, have you seen it? Yes, I have. It's yeah, Anne yeah. Hathaway's boyfriend who yep. eats disgustingly and <laughs> makes me want to smack him at every possible opportunity. He's not supportive. He's jealous. He's childish. He's overly emotional. He's yep. manipulative on a deep and horrible level. And Anne Hathaway's character just plays into it every single time. Also, she frantically judges everybody around her while actually feeling everything they're feeling, but not um, admitting that to herself until the very end where she realises that I wish she'd realised that she has terrible friends and that actually Miranda Priestley could be her saving grace. But I, she I wondered, I was just going to ask, like, how, do you, how do you feel about the sort of redemptive arc of... Abysmal. Um, abysmal. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal. What makes me sad about the film is that it's championed as a kind of know who you are and you can survive kind of thing. Like you can you can exist in a world and keep your integrity. No, you can't. One, she lost the job. Let's be real. Two, she wasn't happier after she lost the job. She ended up with that sack of poo boyfriend. <laughs> Three, Miranda Priestley is seen as a baddie for being direct to the point. Yeah. Uh, aggressive in business extremely successful on her own terms deeply successful without the assistance of a partner who is actually a hindrance to her mm-hmm. oh wait she's a man you know <laughs> yeah like if, she's Anna if she was right, she know? is Anna Winter. <laughs> if she was a man obviously she would not be seen as a baddie in that film mm-hmm. fight me world <laughs> But there she is being a baddie, no, and there's a me point. wanting her to win. It's a very... I, I have seen it, but I saw it when it was new. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I... I don't know if I saw it in the cinema, or whether I saw it, you know, on the old home media afterwards. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But looking at it, thinking about it now and looking back at it now, it's very, like, girl boss millennial <laughs> feminism, isn't it? It is. It's very, like, lean in, very, like, oh, you can... You can do everything i wonder if oh, it's oh do you think i wonder well do you think maybe i think it's the opposite and this is why i brought it up i think it's look at her fail see you can't be a successful woman with kids and a partner that you keep happy because she can't even do that she's got this magical <laughs> company no friends though you know like it's all this bad thing and it's like well she showed she cracked briefly she shows emotion like twice in the film because uh-huh. it's meryl streep she does it impeccably where it's like this little twinkling. Yeah, she's very good, isn't she's she? She's amazing. I don't know what she's doing in some of the films that she's in, but she can... Even this one, no. <laughs> but, I mean, she made it iconic, and I think she made it an iconic film. It made it an iconic character, more yeah, so than the book. Yeah, definitely, she dragged it up, didn't she? She did. And I don't know. I don't think it's that, because if it was that, uh, Anne Hathaway would have dumped the absolute bums out of that boyfriend as soon as he started playing up. Yeah. The friends would massively support her career choices. BT dubs, the friends are all driven people, by the way, and they're all awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all horrible, and then they all turn on her the minute she becomes, in inverted commas, more horrible. Um, but I do think there's a there's a streak running through the film of like, of Anne Hathaway's just not like good enough. Like, or her character, rather. <laughs> it's just yes. not like... Is not succeeding at these at these tenets, and she's not being like badass enough, and she's not being bright sharp enough. And, and then when she is bad, in a, again like bunny ears. Yeah. 
all her friends leave her and her partner leaves her. Yeah, but she she's doing it all wrong. Oh, I see. I don't know. I mean, Emily Emily Blunt's character is is perfect in that film as well. Actually, I forgot about her. Um, oh. As the receptionist, yes. as the other assistant. Of course, yes, the other the um, other the other way of doing it to an to an extent. Yes, exactly. She's kind of the she's Anne Hathaway's shadow. Yeah. Um, in more ways than one, and. I feel like I mean from the, on the okay fine from the millennial feminist perspective there's a hell of a lot of women in that film and there's a whole portion of the film where they're not talking about men that's nice yeah but, but. Uh, probably about <laughs> 58 seconds of it but that's your lot I yeah. would say that they paint it in a very poor way uh, to be a successful female running a business like that and doing it while having a rich and fulfilling rest of your life. They're, they're suggesting that yeah. you can't. Yeah. And also Miranda Priestly saying, I see a lot of myself in you. Yeah. I'd be like, wow. <laughs> you know? And again, I know this is personal preference. I don't know what Miranda Priestly winning would have looked like. I wonder if, um, if Miranda Priestly winning would have been an emotional win where she reconnects with her family and her partner and everything's great. Like she hands it over to um, yeah, one of her, one of her a, an underling. underlings and goes and retires and yeah. lives a, a fulfilling life. Yeah. But, but she is fulfilled by her career and that's yeah. not put forward in the film. Mm. That's not put forward. Well, that's we, put we like, ass- we have chosen. Yeah. We assume. Yeah. She says, well, you know, I have chosen this life and I decided to play it this way and yeah. here's what I've got. But never like, and here's what I'm extremely proud that I've worked incredibly hard to No, create. and we never get, we never like, the camera doesn't stay with her when like her underlings go away and we don't get to see her like open a little secret cupboard and like gaze upon like pictures of uh, the timeshare in like, exactly. like rural Spain that she's mm-hmm. like just desperate to get more time to go and like no. look after the vineyards. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's see. I don't know. I'm remembering it from... Wow, a decade hence or whenever it was. I think it's the least haunted film that I've mentioned in a while. Yeah, I guess I'm not. I don't think we'll be. <laughs> Damn. But it's a, but it's an interesting, you know, it's a really interesting one to bring up in this context. Yeah. One that I am going to bring up, featuring her in the future, is Julie versus Julia. Oh. Uh, it's not called that. It's Julie and Julia. What the one about the cooking women? Yeah. Is that is that haunted? Yeah. Right. I've not seen it. Of course I haven't seen it. Why would you? Well, no, I know. Why would anyone? <laughs> you know, I've remember, seen it four or five times. Remember a little while ago when I said, I don't know what she's doing in some of the films that she's in. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. There's one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I have mentioned her actually, yes, Death Becomes Her, but it's weird that we haven't mentioned her more in the podcast, so yeah. we should do a little bit on her, you know. Great. Is that us? I believe so. I've, I've, I have run out of films. I've done all mine for now. Lovely. And we're, yeah. Yeah, time-wise, Sweet. We're, we're looking good. Perfect. So... Remind the people of the mummy. Remind the people of the mummy. Yep. Who yes. I also wanted to win, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's a tragic figure. Well, yeah. more on that next week. Yeah. Uh, because So next week we are talking about the 1999 film The Mummy. Yay! The Brendan Fraser. Exactly. Rachel, Rachel Weiss. Weiss. John, John Hannah. Hannah. <laughs> Imhotep. <laughs> It <laughs> was directed by Stephen Summers. I had to look that up. He also gave us the sequel oh. and Van Helsing and well. G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra. At least so, he gave us the mummy. Yeah, exactly. No. Um, the sequel, they had a child. 
What a disgusting nightmare choice. <laughs> the most bisexual yeah. group of flipping wonder children you could find. And not only that, but like film well, sequels. Bisexual people can't have kids. Well, I know, but, I mean, but, but yes, exactly. But film sequels have for so long been doing like, oh, let's let's have a, let's give them a child, and it's like I don't I can't think of one that it's improved. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're not doing the Mummy too. Uh, doing the Mummy, the Mummy. Um, yeah, remake of the 1932 Universal film, which is also great. Yeah. And as I said, one from my childhood that I enjoyed. I would have been 13 when that came out. Yes, uh, I knew all the words. I had a friend who was absolutely obsessed with Egypt, so we watched it every time I went round, and then I would watch <laughs> it on my own to catch up with how much she knew it. So I've really seen it. All right, because I haven't seen it since then. So I'm looking wow. forward to to. to um, Excavate, you know, opening that tomb yes, and excavating the the ancient relics. Um, There's a metaphor I, for you. I do a wonderful line in impressions of the man whose tongue is stolen. Oh, yes. Well, I look forward to that. Yes. <laughs> you can introduce the show like that next week. It will sound inappropriate. <laughs> well, what a treat for everyone! Please join us again for that. And in the meantime. If there's anything you you know, if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this pro- program, you can contact our Baddie uh, helpline on hauntedpicturepalace at gmail dot com. Very nice. And we're also on Twitter at hpppod, and we're on Instagram at haunted underscore picture underscore palace. Don't have nightmares. Oh bye. bye. Oh, you broke it there. Oh, oh bye. <laughs>